888-835-2414. This is Learning with Leslie. Another episode of Learning with Leslie, the podcast where you learn, I learn, we all learn about how to build an online business with a blog. No, I'm not talking about one of those blogs that will fall by the wayside when Google has a mood swing. I'm talking about one that will thrive no matter what gets thrown at it. I'm your host, Leslie Sama from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And as usual, I have another exciting interview for you today. I'm on the line with Todd Tresseter from FinancialMentor.com where he shares a step-by-step blueprint for building wealth that actually works. He has been doing one-to-one coaching on building wealth and living a wealthy life for nearly two decades. He's the author of five books and has worked. his work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Investor, Investor's Business Daily, Forbes, NPR, and Market Watch, among other places. I connected with him at a number of conferences and this last one, he spoke about how he deleted a third of his content and ended up tripling his traffic. This was one of the best sessions I've ever sat through and my mind was blown. So I thought I'd bring him on here to talk about how to structure your blog content for more traffic. So structuring your content, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Todd, how are you doing, man? Well, with an intro like that, man, I'm doing awesome. You are you are one live dude. <laughs> hey, you got to have fun with it, you know? <laughs> it's the end of my day, so I have to really get into it so that I can be enthusiastic throughout this entire session. I'm oh, so man. I'm so glad that you're on here with me. I know we got a lot of great content to cover, and we're going to get into that. For everyone that's listening, this is episode number 251, so if you want to get links or... If, you know, the show notes for what we're talking about today, head on over to becomeablogger.com slash 251, and it'll all be there. Now, before we get into the interview, Todd, we're going to do our quick tip. All right, so this is the section where we share a quick tip that can have an impact on your business or make your life a little easier or even a lot easier. And Todd, I know you have a tip for us. What is your tip? You know, there's one of my favorite sayings, and it's how I live my life too, is that your health, wealth, and your happiness are a function of your habits. Mm. And so, you know, like building wealth is not hard. It's, it's a lot of it's just habit. You know, your health, everybody knows this. It's, it's, not, it's not complicated, but it's about what habits you form. And so your health, wealth, and happiness are a function of your habits. Health, wealth, and happiness are a function of your habits. And what kind of habits do you, um, do, do you try to nurture to, to facilitate that? Well, let's go with the health one. So my wife and I, we alternate workout days every other day. So one day you make a healthy breakfast for the kids and the family and the next day you get your workout and my wife makes the healthy breakfast. So we alternate back and forth and that's a healthy habit we have. I love that, especially for families. That's an awesome quick tip. Thank you so much, man. You're welcome. All right, so let's get into this episode. I'm excited about this episode because I know you got a lot of awesome stuff to share. But I want to get a little... We connected at... Let's see, what's the first event we connected at? I think it was New Media Expo. Is that correct? Yeah, the, the, the late, great New Media Expo. <laughs> I know, right? That was... I don't even remember when that was. That was a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, it was... Uh, I saw you create a podcast live on stage. It was really cool to see how you were doing this. Ah, yeah. That was, that was episode 100. So, oh, man. So, that's 151 episodes ago. Man. Yeah, that's prolific. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. But but this last conference we went to, um, Financial Blogger Conference, we connected there. You did a talk. I loved it. And I said, I have to get you on here. But before we get into the content that you were talking about, I want to know how you got into blogging. First of all, what were you doing before you started doing all this online stuff? Well, I, my, my claim to fame where I built my wealth was in the hedge fund business. So okay. I had a hedge fund, which is kind of the rocket science of investing. I developed quantitative investment systems. So I was one of the early pioneers of computerized trading systems. Um, you know, you'd have to go way back in time to understand it. But I was programming trading systems on one of the early IBM 8088 processor computers, like their first round of PCs they ever created. You know, I had to hand key punch in databases because none <laughs> of the databases existed. 
Um, I was programming the systems in basic and C, oh, you know, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really antiquated stuff, right? Apple twos were still being made in a garage out in Palo Alto somewhere. So, you know, those were the, you know, way back when kind of thing. But the funny thing is the stuff I created back then still works today. Wow. Awesome. So you're, you're doing all of that. And how did you, what, what made you think, okay, let's start transitioning to online? Because you have your blog now at financialmentor.com. How did you yeah. make that transition? Yeah. So what happened was we sold the hedge fund business and I'd always wanted to travel. And so um, my wife and I got married. She was my girlfriend up till then. We got married and um, we took, we just traveled around for about six months with nothing but backpacks and a credit card nice. and a vagabond around Europe and the Middle East and stuff. Came back and I floundered on a few businesses and you know, back then, you got to understand, it was 98, 99, uh-huh. and every, everybody wanted to get rich, and everybody thought it was all about the hot stock tips. It was back in the internet mania and you know, all that stuff and dot-com mania. And, you know, people were asking me questions because it was pretty unusual. I mean, you know, I retired at 35, you know, not retired, but I was, you know, I, I could make my choices in life at age 35. I don't like the term retired. Gotcha. But, um, you know, so people would ask me questions like, how do you do it, you know, and what about this stock tip? And everybody was you know, they just didn't get what it was all about. And so they didn't even have enough understanding to ask the right questions. And so I just blew it off. I would avoid all the conversations. <laughs> and finally, my wife one time took me aside and she's like, why do you give such standoffish answers? You spent all this time figuring this stuff out. It totally worked for you. You know what you're doing. Why don't you talk about this? Why won't you do it? I said, there's just too much. It's like they don't even have a base from which to have a conversation from what they're asking me. She said, well, do something with it, you know? And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> and so I, about that time, I ran into a guy, Corey Rudel. Do you know that name? The name sounds familiar, but I don't know who Cor- it is. Yeah, Corey Rudel is one of the early pioneers of internet marketing. Um, he, a lot of the big names that you hear of today learned from Corey Rudel. Okay. So the guys that would be the big names today, they learned from Corey Rudel. The only reason you don't hear his name anymore is because he had a real passion for fast Porsches <laughs> and he put a Porsche into a wall. Actually, he didn't. He was the passenger in a Porsche oh, that went, wow. into, went into a wall at about 200 miles an hour when he was still a young man. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Tragic accident because he was, he was an absolutely brilliant mind. I mean, he saw things so clearly. He was so far ahead of his time. And I just luckily happened to be at his first live presentation where he spoke live for the first time ever. And he was already making multiple six figures online back when online was nothing. So wait, when was this? Just so we can get a timeline. Like ninety seven. Oh, okay. So ninety seven. So before that, you were you were getting a lot of questions where you were kind of brushing them off because it, so it sounds like you're saying it, it it was just too much to share. They didn't have a foundation, so you couldn't do it effectively. Is that pretty much yeah. why? Yeah, there was no there was no method for really communicating it because what they were wanting was not even relevant to what they were really needing. You know, gotcha. it's like th- there's just so much misunderstanding about how the wealth building game is played, and and so. You know, I saw Corey Rudel and he just went off on stage. He, I mean, he, he talked a million miles an hour. He made your intro <laughs> seem like it was like it was on Quaaludes, right? I mean, the guy was just so fast. His mind was so brilliant. He could talk a million miles an hour and his mouth still can keep up with his mind. So what was he talking about during that, uh, that presentation? He was talking about the power of the internet as a direct marketing medium. He was talking about where the internet would go. He was talking about what he was doing with the internet and internet marketing. And I learned, I saw him and while he wasn't a brilliant public speaker, he was brilliant and his message came through. He was just so good. You just sat there and you went, oh my God. I mean, this guy was amazing, right? So it it, it sounds like it's the perfect combination of knowledge and passion. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I sat there and that's when I got financial mentor as a domain because obviously you could never get a domain like that now. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> and so I got financial mentor as a domain and I started what was originally, it was just going to be this cute little boutique coaching practice, mm. right? I just thought, you know, I'll just experiment with it and see if I can help people, you know? And so I started with this crazy idea. Could I actually help ordinary people achieve extraordinary financial results? Like, okay. can I help people make that transition from not really understanding how the game is played to playing it really well? And, it turned out I could, but it took me years to figure it out because I had a lot of misunderstandings. There was a lot of things that I had done that were just assumptions 
in how I behave and how I operate in the world. And I didn't realize that most people don't operate that way in the world. So I had to learn a lot about how to teach this stuff right. It took me years. Eventually, I formulated what I call seven steps to seven figures. What I figured out is how to turn this into a step-by-step process. So, so let, let me ask this question because you're, you're figuring this thing out. You're, you're deciding, okay, I'm a, well, first of all, you just took action and bought financialmentors.com. Great stuff. And yeah, Financial Mentor Singular. F- financialmentor.com. Yeah. And you decide that you're going to do this kind of a boutique practice. Now, when you started it, what, what was the format? It obviously wasn't WordPress back then. So what no, exactly no, no, was, no. What was it? Yeah, I made every mistake in the book. <laughs> I, put, I put the site up in frames, right? I don't even know because you, you never hear frames anymore. Oh, I, I remember um, frames. I used to do that myself. <laughs> yeah, so the site was put up in frames. It was you know just basic HTML site. Um, it was brochureware. Uh-huh. You know, it wasn't content marketing. It was brochureware. Uh, but there wasn't much competition back then, and so it was still enough. It ranked for key, you know, important keyword terms like uh, money coach, financial coach, things like nice. that, which I still rank well for to, to this day. But you know, I didn't know what I was doing back then. It, it ranked fine for him, and so it filled a practice. It didn't fill it, but it kept it going to where I could have this cute little sideline kind of lifestyle business practice thing. And I just fumbled forward. I just made lots of mistakes and I started learning about content marketing and I just kind of played with it a little. It was sort of in the background and I was focused on my real estate work. Uh-huh. And then I started hitting about 2005 and I started getting really uncomfortable with real estate. And so by 2006, I went into sell mode and I had my entire real estate holdings sold by 2007 before the final top. Oh, wow. And so the only thing I had at the final top was the house I live in still to this day. And then um, I'd sold everything, liquidated all and paid the tax on the gains and everything. And what it was was this conscious decision. I said, you know, I'm going to unwind financial leverage. I pulled financial leverage out of my life. Okay. And I want to focus on technology and knowledge leverage. And that was about the time I got introduced to WordPress. And so I started building Financial Mentor as you see it today. And, of course, it's been through a lot of generations since. But that was the thinking process was – I wanted to take a knee. I didn't want to have financial leverage anymore. The world's just a little too wacky. Gotcha. And and so I, you know, you know the term taking a knee in football, where you know they kick the ball way down the field, and rather than try to run it back, you take a knee. When your team is way up and you don't want to lose the ball. Got it. Got it. Got it. Anyway, so, it's so, a it's a sports analogy. Yeah, Sorry. So, so you got introduced to WordPress, and you transition over to more of a content marketing play. Did you start? Uh, how, how, what was it the same back then when you started the content marketing on WordPress as it is today, or was it significantly different? Oh gosh, it changes radically, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, back then you could keyword stuff an article and and do all kinds of link building games that are completely illegitimate today. Uh-huh. Um, there was all kinds of bad practices that you could do that actually worked at least for a short period of time. Um, so I think legitimate content marketing has never changed. Got it. But but you know game practices that were valid and workable back then, at least for short periods of time, are just a waste of time today. Gotcha. Okay. So you 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 started more of the content marketing, and you know how were things going with the content marketing when you started back then? This was what two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah. I think I really got going in earnest about two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Okay. Um, and so I started putting content out and building it. Once I had WordPress, the thing about WordPress that was so powerful is it it allowed me to build it the way I wanted to. I could interact with the content. When I was putting up HTML articles and having to do stuff, I would go in perfectionist mode because I knew once it was up, I couldn't touch it. Whereas with a CMS, you know, I can post an article and, and if I choose to change it tomorrow, I just go change it tomorrow. I mean, I can edit on the fly and save it and bam, it's posted. And that freedom was a game changer. Once, once I learned what WordPress was, that it was essentially a database with a skin wrapped around it. And that's what gives people the experience mm-hmm. of the website. But it's really just a database, right? Yep. And once I understood that, I went, oh, my gosh. Like, that was what I'd always dreamed it could be. Like, that was so powerful because now I can put my work into building the database of quality content and that's the equity asset. See, as a wealth builder, I'm very conscious of am I building equity or not? Everything I do builds equity. Got it. And so I started thinking about the website and I was like, nah, man, if you, if you build one the old way, it's just a, a constant churn game where you put content up and then you have to replace it and you have to pay people to work on it. 
that'd just be a, a drag, right? Okay. But WordPress, you can just keep building equity. It's just wonderful. I love it. I love it. So, okay, so you're building this content. You're creating a lot of content over time. And something happens because I, w- I want to transition to the, the topic that you spoke about in your presentation. Sure. Because all of a sudden, you made this decision to delete a third of your content. What yeah. in the world were you thinking? What was going through your mind at that point in time? Well, you know, okay, what was going through my mind at the time is different from how I understand it today, okay. right? Because you always understand it better once you've done it. So Definitely. what was going through it, my mind that prompted it was every time I wanted to do take my business in another direction. Every time I had a project I wanted to work on, I'd run into a yeah but. And the yeah buts were all the things that were wrong with my site that I had to get fixed before I could do that. Yeah, but I need to do this first. Yeah, but I need to get that fixed. Yeah, I would do that, but the whole site's structured wrong. It needs to be structured this way in order for me to do that. And I had all these yeah buts. And before I knew it, I was just sick of my yeah buts. <laughs> right? And so I just said, you know what? I either have to throw this thing away or I have to clean it up and make it work right. And it's a huge daunting project, right, to go through a full content audit and do it properly, particularly if you have a lot of content. And so – and I had all kinds of programming errors and structural errors in the content. I mean I had a mess on my hands and I knew it, right, because my learning – I'm a prolific learner. And so my knowledge of how to do this game properly had moved so far from when I had begun – that you know, I had embodied just tons of mistakes in my site. And so I sat there and went, you know, you either commit to this, Todd, and bring this thing up to date, or maybe this is it. Like maybe this is as far as it's ever gonna go because you're really stuck with this. And I finally just rolled over and said, you know, I'm just gonna get rid of the abuts. You know, and it's, it's kind of interesting as you, you, you say this because when I started my blog, you know, I didn't know any – of course, I think this is the, the same way for everyone that's been blogging for a while. I didn't yeah. know half of what I know now. And if I go back on my blog to some of my earlier content, you know, I might see a blog post that's just like a huge paragraph. And that's the oh, yeah. entire post. No images, no formatting, no nothing. And I look back at some of it and I say, oh, my word, what was I thinking at the time? So right. it, it sounds as if you were looking back at that. You were looking back at that plus other structural elements and saying, listen, I got to either start over or you know, scrap this or fix it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had so many mistakes. Like I'll, I'll share one with you. It's almost laughable today, right? <laughs> but back then we, we had all the scrapers, right? So if you put your best content in RSS feed, you could pretty much be sure if you had any following at all that a scraper would come along and post it around the internet as uh-huh. their own. And they had robots that would go around and scrape RSS feeds. And so I had this really brilliant idea, and I'm putting brilliant in air quotes because it was really <laughs> stupid, that what I would do, because I, I was always known for long body content. I've been mm-hmm. doing that way before it was popular, right? Back in the day when everybody said you should do all these short 250 to 500 to words. 500 words, yeah. Yeah, because nobody's going to read long content. That was the, the supposed truth back then, right? Nobody yeah. would read long content on the internet. I was just like... You know, I can't stand all these soundbite posts. It used to drive me nuts. I want somebody that's going to do a comprehensive job on a subject. And so I've been from day one, I've been writing what I call category killer posts where I'll take a subject and I'll just nail it until it's done and I'll cover every facet of it. And so I was writing, you know, 6,000 word posts, 4,000 word posts. I think my longest is almost the size of an ebook. It's like 9,000 words. Oh, wow. You know, but they completely nail a subject. Like one of those longer posts it actually got picked up by an academic research journal. Oh, wow. They were, yeah, so I was published in an academic research journal, you know, peer review academic research journal, and they sought me out and they invited me in just because they're like, who are you? Like, <laughs> they go, do you have formal academic training? I go, no. And they said, wow, for a non-academic, we've never seen anybody do such that a thorough awesome. job on such a technical subject, you know? That is awesome. But anyway, so I've always been known for that. But then what I would do to avoid the scrapers way back when is I would stupidly put the post as a page and, and I had a whole duplicate set of categories and pages back when you could do categories and tags and pages. You can't do that anymore. But I had this whole – you can do categories but not the same way. Yeah, and yeah. So I had this whole duplicate match of my post section in the pages section and then I would post like a little <laughs> teaser post. And that and would link, link to the page. And link back to the page, <laughs> right? So my best content from years ago is all stuck over in pages oh, and it's not even man. filling out the category. And you know now that all the plugins, all this stuff is designed to function within categories. Yeah. 
And so when you've got your best content sitting over in pages, nothing works right. Oh, man. You know, none of the related post plugins, none of that stuff works right. And so, I mean, I could go on and on with all the list of mistakes I had, right? Now, let me ask, I, this, let me ask this question, though. Do you regret going about it the way that you, you went about it, though? Because, yes, you made all these mistakes. But I'm, I'm looking at it like, hey, you were taking action. You were taking action based on the best information you had at the time. Um, yeah. And, and, and to me, that's worth significantly more than just not taking action. Oh, yeah, you're dead on correct. I, I don't. I mean, I couldn't get financial men anymore. Trying to get the foothold that I have now would be much tougher today. You can still do it. We still see success stories come out of nowhere. So yeah. it's doable, but it's always tougher. The more competition, the more content, the harder it is to get noticed, right? Definitely. And so, no, I got a good foothold at a good time. If anything, I wish I'd started earlier. I mean, the heyday of building a WordPress site was 2005. That's when... Yep. There was like seven financial bloggers and they all knew each other and linked to themselves and they've all sold their sites for a million bucks since then. Yep. You know, because there was so many backlinks and so much infrastructure built that because they were the only game in town, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's just an incredibly valuable asset. So do I have a regret? I, I regret making the mistakes, but do I regret starting when I did? No. Gosh, I wish I'd started earlier. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. So we can go down this train of thought for like forever because it's an interesting story. I want to get to the, the meat of how you, okay, you decided that I need to do this content audit. I'm going to get rid of stuff. I'm going to increase the quality of some other stuff. Let's go through that process. I want to start from the beginning. What do you do? So someone is thinking either, there are two aspects. Number one, I need to go back and fix my blog in terms of my content and the structure of all of that. And number two, I am just starting a blog. I want to make sure that I do it the right way. So, so let's go through the process that you went through uh, at, just from the beginning. Where did you start? The starting point is you take your database. So you can either get a tech guy to give you a database dump of your database of your site. Uh, there's workarounds where you can try to figure out every article on your site, but you'll probably miss some. But anyway, you get a database dump and you pop, pop it in a spreadsheet. Okay, so just, right? to, just to define that for anyone that's not sure about the technical terms, a database dump, basically a list of all the posts and pages on your site? Correct, yeah. Okay. So anything that's on your site ends up in this database, so pages and posts. And then, you, But the thing about WordPress is it's all organized by number, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people don't understand this. Your database is number. All the stuff you see, the categories and the slugs and all that, is layered on top of it. But it's a, WordPress knows it as numbers. Mm-hmm. And so you have to take those numbers, convert them into URLs that mean something to you. So that's the first step. And then I would put the titles next to them. And then I took all of those lines because they're not organized by category or anything. Then I have to organize them so they make sense to me about how I have them in the site. Right? So the starting point is just getting the spreadsheet set up to represent your site with all the content of the site. And in that spreadsheet, we want to have the name of the post. We want to have the URL so that we can easily get to that post. And anything else that you include in that spreadsheet? Yeah. So then you kind of go to the next level. Once you've got – so you'd have the name of the post, URL. You'd have the identifying number that came with it um, with the database dump. You don't have to have that, but it's Mm -hmm. handy. So you get the basic info and you get organized by category. Then what I did is I started – I went through every single page and post on the site and I reviewed it. Now, this is where people differ in how they view content audits, okay? Mm -hmm. To me, the key point is you're trying to go for a best user experience you can create. And so what you want to do is really understand what is your brand, Mm -hmm. okay? And I had an advantage, right, because I've been at this a while and I kind of knew what my brand was, which was – you know, very advanced and uh, more technical uh, wealth building, retirement strategy, investment strategy. I wasn't doing mundane personal finance, frugality, any of that. Yeah. And so once, once you understand your brand and what your voice is and all that, then you go through every article, every post, every page on your site, and you categorize it with a few st- stats. So you can check your social media stats you can check your backlinks for them, different things that tells you the popularity and the demand for it. You can look at the traffic going to it in Google Analytics. You can get just a few prelim numbers, right? But what I found was that the prelim numbers pretty well matched how I experienced the post in terms of my brand. In other words, if I looked at it and said it wasn't consistent with my brand, typically it didn't have a lot of demand, or if I looked at it and said, wow, this is really junky writing, right? Like I thought it was good back then, but this is pretty bad. 
And lo and behold, there wouldn't be much interest in the post either. And so the reason I'm pointing all that out is you'll get a lot of people who sell content audits. They're in the business of doing content audits. Mm. And they will teach you this amazing rocket science algorithm process for sorting all your content, right? Because content audits really on the grow now. It's, it's like a Vogue thing. Oh, it's becoming Vogue. And so they'll teach you a rocket science way with all this quantitative analysis. And what I'm saying is my experience is that's not necessary. Know your brand and then make sure everything's in alignment with your brand. Start from that point and then use some basic data like, you know, traffic to the post, uh, ranking, um, social media shares, things like that. Just some basic stuff to reinforce the decision. And I didn't have a single poster page on my site where I was indecisive. It was black and white clear just with the basics. Interesting. So you're looking at these posts and you're saying, okay, does this match my brand? Yes or no? And usually what you're saying is if it's a yes – those are generally going to be the ones with the most shares, the most traffic, the, the, more pop, the more popular posts. Yeah, the links back to it, all that stuff. There's a reason it's popular on your site Got is it. because your audience likes it. So you didn't find any experiences. Like I, I have a few coaching clients. Um, well, I have one coaching client in particular who has a post on her site that is kind of irrelevant to what she talks about, but it's getting a ton of traffic. You didn't have any of those situations is what you're no, saying. No, because actually you know, this goes back to the Corey Rudel story. Corey Rudel, so I got trained on this from day one when I first got introduced to this. His, he talked about dog barf websites. And that was his exact terminology, dog barf, because they have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, right? Gotcha. And and so, <laughs> a little crude, but that, that you know, no, it's I like a it. very, <laughs> yeah, it's a very straightforward analogy, right? So yep. he talked about that and talked about the mess that makes, and so I knew that from day one. So I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a post on travel on a wealth building and investment strategy and retirement planning site. I I just didn't do that. Because that would be dog barf. And what's the downside to having these dog bar- barf posts? Okay, Because somebody might say, well, it's getting a lot of traffic. Somebody's pinning it a lot on Pinterest, and that's driving more traffic to my site, more eyes, and so on. From your perspective, what's the downside to that? Well, your site has to stand for something. Mm. And it also, it, it hurts Google in understanding what your site is about for ranking it. If your site is tight around themed content, and in the old days, we used to call it siloing content right, where you'd build silos of content and interlink it all. Mm-hmm. But you don't even have to do that anymore. Google's really smart, yeah. right? And so if you, if you just have tightly themed content, then they will get to know that you're an authority for that content and they will rank that relevant content well. And so if your goal is traffic from, you know, free sources like Google or whatever, um, then you want – and the other thing too about it besides just the traffic is the reader experience. Mm. You know, you're going to attract a certain type of reader that resonates with your message. And if your message jumps all over the place and isn't tightly themed, they don't know what you stand for. You know, it's kind of like if you go up to a guy in a, in a cocktail party, you say, oh, so what do you do? He says, well, I train dogs. I'm a chef by night <laughs> and I'm an expert at karate. You don't take them as seriously. No, no. It's not like, well, I'm a black belt in karate. I have a judo, I have a studio and I've been doing it for the last 30 years. When I was younger, I was a ranked champion. I, I'm just passionate about the martial arts. Now, if you had an interest in karate, that's the guy you would talk to. Most definitely. Yeah. If you talk to a guy that dog barks on you about how he has, you know, he has a karate studio by night, but by day he builds apps and um, he's a chef three days a week as well, you're going to be like, okay, cool. Nice meeting you. Boy, you're an interesting guy. You have a lot of interests. Yep. You know, but you're not going to go learn karate from him. Okay. So, so you, you, you're, you're going through, you're categorizing your content, you're looking at these stats, you're looking at all these relevant details, and you see what. Yeah, you know what, Leslie? I'm going to jump in a second. I don't think I explained that very well. You've got to understand what your site is and what content marketing is. You know, content marketing, the content is the attraction piece of the picture, right? You're trying to bring people in. And then ultimately, if it's a business, then there's a conversion strategy to a product of some sort or a service. Mm -hmm. And so it goes back to that karate example, but I'm trying to relate it to the idea of what you're doing with content marketing to begin with, which is you're establishing your expertise. You're establishing that you are the go-to guy, that you are the obvious expert that anyone should turn to if they have any interest in the subject. And that's why you want tightly themed content. Makes perfect sense. 
And not yeah. only that, you know, in the example that I said, yes, you might get a lot of traffic for something that's unrelated, but these aren't people that are, are, are going to be your ideal customer or are going to be the people that are going to really engage with your brand and your business and what you're all about. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. If, like if you have – okay, I'll give an actual example. I knew a guy with a successful financial site. One of his large traffic pulls was – I can't remember the exact recipe, but it was a recipe for like chili or something. <laughs> and that was one of his big traffic. That was one of his top traffic magnets. And I remember talking to him. He's like, yeah, but what good is it? You know, what do I care? People come to my site for chili and it's a financial site. Mm. It, it's totally irrelevant. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, so where do we go from here? We've we've categorized, we've we've ranked our posts, and we see okay, these are the ones that are on theme, and maybe there are some that aren't on theme. Wh- where do we go from there? Well, what you do is as you're going through each post, you're going to mark it in a spreadsheet for four things. It's either going to be a keep, an improve, a consolidate, or remove. Don't you just love that rhythm? I like it. Keep, Keep, improve, consolidate, remove. Nice. <laughs> okay, so let's go through these. Keep. All right, so the keep and the improve are kind of very similar but uh-huh. slightly different, right? So they're both high-quality stuff that belongs on your site. The difference is that the improve is something that needs to be updated and expanded. You, you know, you've you've come a ways. You've improved. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You've improved since then. When you wrote that, so like you're giving examples and posts that you were talking about where you're laughing at yourself, like, why did I write that? Your knowledge has come along. You know how to write better whatever. It just needs to be improved. Um, But it's relevant to your site. It's a good article. It talks to your target market and there's people interested in it. Okay, so that would be an improve. A keep is something that's really good. You don't don't have to do anything to it. Yeah, you might tweak some things. Like maybe you didn't have a Pinterest image in it. Maybe you didn't get the SEO quite right on it. Maybe you've learned better about how to do opening paragraphs. Mm. Maybe you didn't put a call to action. It doesn't mean that you don't throw a few tweaks on it, but it's something you can do on the fly. Got it. Okay, so keep, improve. Pretty pretty self-explanatory. Makes sense. They're both high quality. They both belong. They're on theme. These are the good – this is the good stuff. Just the improve might need a little more tweaking, needs to be updated, needs to be expanded. Perfectly fine. Right. Consolidate. Consolidate is where you get um, a series of articles. Like maybe you write a lot. I come from the financial space, so I'll, I'll talk financial stuff. Maybe you write a lot about get out of debt, something I don't write about at all. But um, And you've written 14 articles about get out of debt. And each one covers some little tiny facet of it because back then you were writing 500-word posts. And so you look at all those and you group them together. You, what you do is you call them consolidate and you – patch them together on your spreadsheet. So when I was running into those articles that I wanted to consolidate into a what I call category killer post, what I would do is I would take them on the spreadsheet and physically move them together and label them all consolidate and I could see each of them as they connected. And so then what you do is you rewrite them into one category killer post and then you put it on the best URL and you 301 redirect the other URLs to it that you deleted. Okay, we need to define these terms that we're using here. So first you rewrite it you, or you rewrite uh, on the – whichever one has the best URL, you rewrite that to include all of the other information from these other posts so that you're making this one killer post. Yes. And then you say you 301 redirect. What does that mean? A 301 redirect is something that's coded into the site. There's a variety of ways of doing it, um, and it depends on how your site is hosted. Mm-hmm. Like mine's on Nginx, NGINX, and so the host likes to take care of them themselves. It sits at the host level. Um, some other people do them. Like my understanding is the Yoast SEO plugin uh, on the paid version is capable of doing the 301 redirects. So there's different ways you can do 301 redirects depending on how your site is hosted and how it how the theme is structured. And I use, um, but- I use the Yoast SEO plugin, and that's the one that I recommend for the people that um, follow what I do online. Uh, and just to define how that works, if you actually, if you have the premium version of the plugin, if you go to delete a page, the Yoast SEO plugin is going to just give you a pop-up alert and say, hey, I noticed you deleted this page. Where would you like to redirect it? And then you could just put in the new URL of this updated post. And then the the traffic that would have normally gone to that post is now going to get redirected to this killer post that you have. Yeah, yeah. And so what that does is that tells Google, this post isn't here. It's over there. Got it. 
Now, right? let me ask and, this question. And so the user, it's, uh, it's blind because they just go straight to that new post location. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. You write a really long, comprehensive post. You said up to 9,000 words. Now, for someone else that's not necessarily writing posts that are that long, that's not on brand with them. Do you still recommend some kind of a consolidation or is it just improve the post for that specific aspect of that series? No, I'll give you the tweetable. The new SEO is quality. Or quality is the new SEO. So like that. you, you want to write quality content. Like Google talks about how it would appear in a magazine. It's well-researched. It's proper grammar. Um, it's put together properly. You know, you, you want to put out high-quality stuff. And so it should be on brand. There's quite a few uh, successful bloggers who used to publish frequently and they publish less frequently, but higher quality, longer stuff. So I know of a blogger, um, Paul Panover at Ford Anything. She used to publish several times a week, you know, 500, 800 words. Mm -hmm. And now she publishes twice a month at about 3000 words. Uh, Jeff Rose over at good financial sense. Um, he's done the same thing and they're all saying the same thing. Their traffic goes up and their long copy posts are their most popular posts and the ones that get the most interest from the search engine. And I'll just add to that. You know, I used to do twice a week um, for my blog posts. Well, on, on Wednesday, I had my podcast episodes. On Mondays, I had my articles. And each of these would be maybe about a thousand words, which a lot of people would still consider that significant. Now, what I do is I just publish once a week. That's my Wednesday. It's my podcast episode. I have extensive show notes that could be two, three thousand words. And I've also noticed that I'm getting a little more engagement. I'm get, definitely getting more traffic. Um, and I'm getting more people telling me, hey, man, your content recently has been, re you've been really stepping up your game. So it, it, I think it, it, it gives a better impression unless you're, you're the type of content you are creating is something maybe you're doing something entertainment related or not necessarily that you can't do long posts but maybe you're, you're choosing a different style intentionally for an artistic effect or something of that sort but yeah, i've you, also found that the longer the better for me personally yeah you've got to understand how your business operates and yeah. what you're doing here again, if you're selling a service or a product, establishing your expertise and establishing trust is best done through high quality content got it's it. not It's not done through short little excerpt posts um, so yeah I, you know that's three oh one redirects there's really three things you can do. you can do a three oh one redirect the other one's a four ten and a four ten tells Google that they just have to remove it from the serps and you would do that because there's no functional equivalent. Um, on your site. So going back to 301 redirects, let me backtrack a little and explain what I'm talking about here. A 301 redirect you want to send to a related post on your site. So the content is closely related. Mm -hmm. That's where a 301 redirect is appropriate. In some circumstances, as long as you don't do it too much site-wide, you could 301 redirect to your category. If you don't have really closely related content, you could uh, redirect it to your category landing page. Very rarely do you want to 301 redirect to your home page. That's considered not a smart thing or not a good thing by the search engines. Got it. Because it's just not considered as relevant. At that point, you probably should go ahead and pull a 410 and just say that you don't have any functional equivalent and the article is truly deleted. So you're basically giving Google the information they need to know, okay, if this is an updated version of the post that you had before or if this no longer exists. If it's an updated version, you do a 301 redirect. You could use the Yoast SEO plugin or some other equivalent or even at the, the host level. Yeah. Oh, but if it's, if, if it's something like, for example, I used to blog about freebie trading and my content is still on the site. Well, if I decide I don't want that on the site anymore, I would do a four or what is it, four hundred one? Well, four ten means 410. there's no no equivalent, and Google should remove that piece from the search engines. Re remove it from the search engines. Yeah, a four hundred four is the other one. A four hundred four means that it's the content is simply not found. Yeah, and I consider that a very sloppy visitor experience, Definitely. and it's poor site management. And so you really want to avoid four hundred fours. You want to either three hundred one redirect to a functional equivalent that gives value to your visitor. It's all about the visitor experience in my mind. Mm -hmm. And so you want to give value to your visitor. If you can do that, then use a three hundred one. And if not, just four ten it and get rid of it. Got it. Okay, remove. Let's talk about that one. That's, okay, that's, well, we did. Yeah, do you feel like we covered the consolidate when yeah, we I, talked about think, blending? Yeah, I think so. Because all, all you're saying is take some posts that could become a, a more of a pillar post, a, a, you know, make it awesome, and yeah. redirect all of the old stuff to the new awesome version. Got it covered. Awesome. So 
delete just means, you know, it's, it's out of date, it's irrelevant, it's off brand, it's low quality, you know, or it's some of the short posts that you're redirecting. Uh, in my space, uh, in the financial space, there used to be a lot of blog carnivals where they were basically link fests, you know, disguised link fests, old roundup posts, you know, where you talk about other people's great stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, those are out of date. They're not adding to the visitor experience. Get rid of them. And so that's where you just delete, delete, delete. And so I'll tell you a fun story here. I had 150 posts I deleted in one day. Oh. One day I deleted 150 posts and my site vanished from the search engines. Oh, my word. Okay, yeah, so you're, you're freaking out at this point. You have to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I did, I did 150 deletes all at one time and then loaded the 301 redirects. There, all of them were 301 redirected. There was no 410s in there because I had all functional equivalents. Mm-hmm. And the site vanished from the search engines. And I freaked out because I, I had done my research. I thought I knew what I was doing, right? But somehow I must have triggered something at Google. I don't know what. And exactly to the day, one week later, I reappeared stronger than ever. All the words, like if I used to rank for page two, I would be on the middle of page one. If I was on the middle of page one, I'd be in the top three on page one. If I was back in page five, I'd be on page two. Like, wow. I mean, I yeah, just dramatic improvement across the board in all my rankings. Well, well did you learn what maybe went wrong in that week? I mean, is that a process that – have you done this process for other people or work with other people that have done this process? Yeah, I've worked with – I had a client that did it also. Um, so I had a client, uh, lifecoach.com, Tulane Medaner, mm-hmm. and uh, another legacy site where she had been working on it forever and it just had all kinds of infrastructure problems. And so she bit the bullet and went through a content audit. We restructured everything and she combined old posts and did everything right. And her traffic within two months doubled. But she didn't have that disappearance of the search No, she didn't have the scare like I did. Um, But her traffic doubled within two months. She got rid of about half her content. I got rid of – wait a minute. I saying that right? A quarter of her content. I got rid of a third of my content and I tripled my traffic in about two months. So, I mean, this is basically – that tweetable and this is definitely going to be a tweetable in this article uh, quality is the new SEO instead of having a bunch of poor quality content on your site that's scattered in all kinds of directions that's not really adding to the to the visitor experience um, you you got rid of the ones that weren't any good you consolidated the ones that could be beefed up a little bit you improved on the ones that could well improved on the ones that could be beefed up, consolidated the ones that were maybe a series of articles and made it one killer post and the high quality stuff, um, you, you either just do some minor tweaks, adding images or whatever the case might be and you just kept that. But basically, you're increasing the quality of the content on your, your site and as a result of that, Google rewarded you. Yeah, you know, and it's never backed off. It's just continued to grow. Um, now, I want to be clear. Nobody really knows the ways of Google, right? It's a mystery, right? People are just guessing. And so um, there could be other factors in what I did because, again, I had a lot of mistakes in my site. But I will say this, that it was coincident with the content art portion, which was the, the cleanup of the content. Like my site later on, as part of this whole content audit, it went through a complete resurfacing. So it had a whole new code base from the ground up. Um, you know, so it was all modern code using uh, Twitter bootstrap. And I mean, the whole site was redone as Twitter bootstrap. It's a, it's a programming language that you can build a site and it's really efficient coding. And so, um, you know, so like the site now is very high tech and very, you know, quote unquote cutting edge or you can't tell by looking at it, but Mm -hmm. a geek would, a geek would know it. (laughs) And so, um, you know, that didn't result in the traffic jump nearly as much. I mean, it helped, but it, it didn't do. Because it speeded up the site dramatically. I mean, my site went from like bottom 10% to top 10 to 20% in speed. Um, So, you know, those things help, but they were marginal help. It was Mm -hmm. the content audit that blew the doors out of the water, like just changed it across the board. Okay, so when these, you're, you're left with all of these high-quality posts. I'm assuming there are some other things that you've, you, you did to the content. Like, for example, you said maybe you didn't have an image or anything of that sort. Are there other things you did to make sure that, okay, not only is the, 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 the content awesome, but maybe the structure, maybe the images, maybe the SEO tags? Did you do anything else? All the above. All the above. So like a lot of my old content didn't have images, so I put the images in with proper tagging for SEO, 
right? Uh-huh. A lot of the older content was written kind of like you said. You know, we're, we're writing it like we were taught in uh, high school or college with, you know, these big paragraphs and everything's laborious to read. Uh-huh. It wasn't written for the internet for scanning, right? So I'd bring in all the proper H2 tags and the short paragraphs and structure the content so it read well for the internet. So you um, added headings and broke, broke up the paragraphs so that, you know, even, you know, if somebody's reading on their mobile device, it's much easier to consume that, but it's also scannable because you have those headings and shorter paragraphs. Yeah, added Pinterest images. Um, all my old stuff didn't have the right internal linking because the newer stuff didn't exist at the time, uh-huh. right? And so you go back through the old stuff and you get all your internal linking cleaned up and all put together right. And all these things are quality issues. You know, it's great for your visitor, but Google sees all that stuff too. You know, I cleaned out the database from all the old images and all the old posts and everything. I mean, we, we decluttered everything. Um, what else? I'm trying to think here. Oh, I had inline HTML formatting, which is a big no-no. So, you know, everything's done with CSS and short codes in the new site. Um, oh, proper social media conventions. You know, so you know this in the Yoast SEO plugin, you can specify which image goes to where yep. and it's all specced out. So it all has proper social media conventions. You know, got rid of all the dead links. Um, I think that's about it. You know, a lot of it was internal coding as well that won't be as relevant. I'm moving things from, you know, pages over to posts. That won't be as relevant to a lot of people. You know, every site is going to have its unique thing. Like when I was talking about Tulane's site, she actually had three different sites where content was done, and she had one one install on her site was Drupal, and another was WordPress, and she consolidated. Them. I mean, she had a, I mean, every bit as much of a mess as me, and she's got a beautiful clean site now, and you know it was all just biting the bullet and going through and cleaning up all the mistakes from the past. How long did this process take you? Well, it's not done yet. Um, <laughs> one of the so it I spent probably. I spent longer than most people will because it. mine was also a complete revamping of the look and feel of the site uh-huh. and the flow of the site. Mm-hmm. And it was such a dramatic change that when I did it, you know, like any large change, you're not going to get it right on the first pass. And so I put the new site up and everybody's like, wow, that's really nice, you know, and people really liked it. But then slowly I started getting the feedback, that's ah, complicated, you know, it, it wasn't intuitive. It wasn't because I have so much going on in there. I have this huge collection of calculators and all these things for people to use for free. And it wasn't real intuitive to find your way through everything. And so I had to rethink it again. And I had to make a much cleaner design so it wasn't overwhelming. And so I had to kind of go through it one more time. It was It's the 80-20 rule, right? The first round, you get 80% of it. And it feels really good at first. But then you live with it for a while and you go – wow, there was another part. So in the next round, I got 80% of the remaining 20%. Now I'm happy with it. And, and how long did the 80, that initial 80%, that first run, take you? Uh, about six to nine months okay. with everything. And then well, the reason I'm saying it's not done yet is I'm kind of using it to my advantage. I have a lot of this uh, really good content. Uh, there's my ego talking, right? <laughs> um, you know, at least I think my stuff is good, right? <laughs> so I have all this... Power content, you know, long body content that I think it's good quality that um, is over in pages. And so it's all sitting in posts, fully edited, ready to go. And then I'm releasing it, dripping it out. Nice. And that's allowing me time where I'm not having to write posts to, um, to build my membership sites that I'm working on right now. And I'm building uh, the courses. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to wrap this up, but just really quickly for someone who, who is this site the right person for? Because we, we, we spoke about the content audit and all that. Pro- I think we're going to even retitle this episode on how, how to perform a content audit on your site or something of that sort, because that's really well, make it we- com- Make it compelling, Leslie, how to triple your traffic by deleting a third of your content. I like that. Well, well let's go with that. <laughs> there you go. But uh, uh, so, so, but that's not the focus of your site. So who is your site for? Just in case someone is thinking, hey, this guy sounds like he really knows what he's talking about. Maybe he knows what he's talking about for this financial stuff too. So t- tell us a little bit about that before you wrap up. Thanks. Yeah. So the site is financialmentor.com. And just like it sounds, financialmentor.com. And it's for people who've been there, done that with all the traditional financial planning stuff. And they've got the basics down and they want the next step. And so I have advanced investment strategy, advanced retirement planning, um, I've written some books that completely overturn traditional thinking on certain subjects. Uh, they're in Amazon. So, uh, and I'm building out a course series called Seven Steps to Seven Figures. They're all going to be online courses because my coaching was way over 
demanded. I had to shut down about a year and a half ago. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was just, it was insane. And so I just had to shut it down, which is crazy, right? I spent all this time trying to build it <laughs> and it went too big. And wow. so I'm trying to bring in courses so I can help more people at a better price point. And anybody who wants to come in and just get to know me and just see if the message is right, I give away a free course and a free book to subscribers. And so if they come in and subscribe on the bonus page, they'll see they get a, a free book from me, uh, 18 Essential Lessons from a Self-Made Millionaire, talks about some important concepts in finance. And then, uh, and then I give away a free course, 52 Weeks to Financial Freedom. And no, it's not about get rich quick despite the title. What it does is it's, fi- it's a 52-week structure that gives you the big broad overview of the journey to financial independence and the steps everybody will walk through. So it, give, it gives you a solid roadmap and a structure for it. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much. We're going to transition now to the action steps. All right, so you shared so much information there with (laughs) us today. Um, Someone is listening to this and they want to know, okay, I'm going to leave this episode and I'm going to do something. What are the action steps you're going to give them? Well, do you want the action steps on the content audit or on financial independence? Let's go with the content audit since that's the bulk of this interview. The content audit is just bite the bullet and get the starting point, which is get your database dumped into a spreadsheet. And then once you get the spreadsheet, go ahead and review all your content. You do it. Go through every page and post on your site and go through it and just see with clarity of mind. The first, I'm sorry, the first step is getting clear on what your brand is about and what your message is about, Uh right? What is this site truly about and who does it serve? Get total clarity on that, then dump the database into a spreadsheet and then go through your content and just rank them all according to keep improve, consolidate, remove, and, and go ahead and map in the Google analytics for, for, you know, traffic and social media and all that. And just once you look at it, it should be pretty obvious to you. This is very intuitive process. It takes time. It's effort, but you think about it, you're trying to grow your site. How else can you grow your site? You know, that's any easier than this. I mean, this is just an essential part of creating a great visitor experience. Awesome. Todd, thank you so much. And for anyone that wants to check out what he has to offer, head on over to uh, financialmentor.com. So, Todd, I really appreciate you coming on here. Hey, thank you, Leslie. It's great talking with you. Not a problem. Hey, guys, I hope you well, not. I don't hope. I know you got value from this. I'm going to be going through this content audit myself because I know it's something that I need to do. Um, so I'm most likely going to be sharing that with you in the future. <laughs> Good stuff. I want to let you know a little bit about what's coming up. What's coming up next week? We have a, a, a podcast episode on how to create video tutorials that make money. And in that, we're going to talk about how to decide which video tutorials you're going to make, how to create those video tutorials, and then we're going to go through some strategies for making money with those tutorials. So make sure to come back next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Eastern. This was episode 251. I hope you got a lot of value from it. You can visit becomeablogger.com slash 251. There'll be extensive show notes. They're probably going to be even more extensive after this episode. (laughs) So make sure to check it out. If you know someone that can benefit from this episode, share it with them. And if you're trying to get your blog started so that you can create content, inspire others, and change the world while building your online business, you know where to go. Freebloggingvideos.com. And to take it to the next level... And join the coaching club, bloggercoaching.com. That's it for this episode. Leslie Samuel here from becomeablogger.com, where we're changing the world one blog at a time. And until next time, take care and God bless.